welcome to Slice, Slice together, together, where we take my love of junky food and my debilitating dietary restrictions and, and splice them, them together. Before we get started, we like to thank our sponsor, Celiac Attack Brand Animal Crackers. They're okay. Today, we'll be cooking one of our local favorites, a Tominator. This is a kind of casserole with tater tots, Brunswick stew, and lots of cheese. I guess the name Tominator is some kind of movie reference or something. But who has time for movies? <laughs> now let's ask the big question. Is it gluten-free? Of course it is. So let's pop these in the oven and see what happens. Welcome to another episode of The Real Spliced Together. I'm Harper. And here's the bad news. That thing you're sucking on, it's not a pina colada. And I am Michelle. Look, detective, now I don't mean to be rude or anything, but other than just kind of wanting to confess to a murder, is there a point to this story? And we're not going to be cooking today. We're going to be cooking up a jazzy selection of... <laughs> Our, yeah, yeah. our March movie roundup. March movie roundup. <laughs> Thanks, Howard Dean. I like that he always comes in just for that part. Yeah. He He's just, like, hey, what's up? He swings on by at the end of every month to help yeah. us out with our roundup. He's a good guy. So if you haven't been in one of these episodes before, boy, you're probably real confused now. <laughs> but uh, basically, we're just going to run down a bunch of the movies that we watched in the past month. So anything that didn't match like our uh one of our thematic ideas that we're talking about in the other episodes so uh this month we watched a whole bunch of new movies new so. movie we need a new movie button yeah we really do man um we're so unprepared yeah we really are <laughs> uh so let's just jump right in because we got a bunch of movies to talk about so the first movie this is not a new movie obviously uh is solo a star wars tale a What's star wars story star wars? Star Wars <laughs> um, from 2018, directed by Ron Howard and previously by Lord and Miller, sort of. <laughs> um, we watched this because the um, uh, Star Wars Minute podcast started back up recently and they're doing this movie. And I hadn't seen it since we saw it in theaters the one time and didn't remember a damn thing about it. <laughs> so yeah, I, wanted, me neither. I wanted to watch it to uh, refresh my memory to listen to that. Um, and there's a reason I didn't remember a lot about it, I guess. <laughs> Because it's B-O-R-I-N-G. Boring. I wouldn't even say it's boring. It's just very unmemorable. That's, that's that means boring. still my main takeaway. <laughs> I, I disagree. I don't think it's the same thing. Because you can have a fun action movie that's also totally not memorable and forgettable. 
um, which this kind of is. Um, my biggest problem with this movie... You didn't describe what the movie oh, was I'm sorry. or who's in it. Right, you go ahead. Through a series of daring... Es- <laughs> Wait, first the tagline. Never tell him the odds. That's a horrible tagline. Um... Through a series of daring escapades deep within a dark and dangerous criminal underworld, Han Solo meets his mighty future co-pilot Chewbacca and encounters the notorious gambler Lando Calrissian. You say you're Mr. Han Solo? Han Solo. So it stars Alden Ehrenreich. Mm-hmm. He has a horrible last name. Ehrenreich? Ehrenreich. <laughs> As Han Solo. Uh, Junus Sutamo as Chewbacca, Woody Harrelson, Amelia Clark, Donald Glover, Thandawi Newton, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Paul Bettany, John Favreau, Aaron Kellyman, Linda Hunt. Sure. <laughs> I'm stopping there. Okay. <laughs> uh, this movie's fine. It's just kind of blah. Um, yeah. I, I put boring and not memorable. So <laughs> See, they're not the same thing. <laughs> Uh, my biggest problem with it, I realized this time around, is that Han Solo is by far and away the least interesting and simplest character of the whole crew. Yeah. Like everybody else has these like complicated allegiances and goals and motivations and Han's like a one track character. He's like, I just want to get back to whatever her name is, Kira. <laughs> I just want to get back to Amelia Clark. Yeah. That's all he wants to do. Get a ship to get back to Amelia Clark. Whereas <laughs> everybody else is like, I have a troubled past and I'm uh trying to take over this gangster thing or I'm gonna to I'm gonna uh uh backstab you or whatever. Like there's a lot of like complicated stuff going on and his character is so boring and he doesn't he grow just or is change looking for love or adapt. Nothing <laughs> nothing changes in his character. Even with the big twist in the end where he gets betrayed, it's not it doesn't feel like it really changes his character even a little. Well also it's hard for us to care about his love because like we know what's gonna happen. I don't know well, why they focus so much like oh Han Solo liked somebody else yeah, before and also, Leia. Yeah and also Han Solo has a very famous and wonderful romance with yeah. a character a beloved character. So why do we care about his ex girlfriend? Yeah, they should not basically. have pushed this romance story. Yeah. Like it's fine. There's I mean it's fun to watch in parts. Um I like the train heist section. I like um I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge robot is pretty good. She's funny-ish as a robot. Yeah. Um, I like her little robot revolution. Yeah, I think that's a fun idea. Um, I hate how desaturated the whole movie is. Yeah, oh my because, God. Because, like, obviously, like, Lando has all these cool capes and outfits, and they look muted, and then all these alien creatures are just brown, like, because they tinted everything, like, brown yeah, and gray. everything is just it's very, like, like, desaturated and dull looking. I like, agree. I know this is the, like, trend, but, like, it's Star Wars. There's color. Color yeah, is so, allowed. I'm so tired of dark and dishwater-looking movies. <sighs> Wait till we talk about Batman. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. If you have alien creatures, like then you should probably let them pop a little. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I guess that's pretty much it. Yeah, I don't know to say about Solo. I can't believe we talked about it as long as we did. Yeah, I give it two and a half stars. I give it three. It's streaming on Disney forever and ever because nobody wants to watch it. Yep. Sorry, Ron Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Ron who. <clears throat> Uh, next up is the first of a whole bunch of new movies we're going to talk about in a row. And that is Fresh 2022. 
uh, directed by Mimi Cave. Hey, lady! And written by Lauren Kahn. Oh, I was like, why are you pausing? <laughs> and starring Daisy Edgar Jens. Hey, lady! <laughs> uh, you want to take the lead on the explaining this one? Frustrated by scrolling dating apps only to end up on lame, tedious dates, Noah takes a chance by giving her number to the awkwardly charming Steve after a produce section meet cute at the grocery store. Meet cute. So we're going we're gonna to spoil this movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. The movie has a twist. But you can tell what the twist is going to be in the trailer. Or the poster. In the poster. It's pretty obvious where it's going. So yeah, But yeah, there are going to be spoilers. Big, Pretty big spoilers for this yeah. one. So. so like we said, it stars Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan and Jonica Tay Gibbs and Andrea Bank. Yes. And Dale Okini. Sure. sure. <laughs> um, I liked this movie. Mm-hmm. I wish I hadn't seen the trailer because it's a little obvious what's going to happen. But um, I guess I think, I feel like the cutesy beginning should have been drawn out just a little bit longer. Maybe, yeah. Before we get into major spoiler territory, I will say, if you have the opportunity to watch this not knowing anything about it, you should do that because it would be really awesome to watch it that way. So, and spoilers now. <laughs> um, I thought the middle dragged a bit, but overall I thought it was enjoyable. A solid horror flick, kind of gory. We don't have to deal with modern dating, so I don't know what it's really like out there. There's a lot of dudes out there trying to sell your butt I for know, me. My butt. <laughs> Chop your butt cheeks off. Also, don't kidnap the skinniest little girl you've ever seen for meat. Like, mm, <laughs> there's nothing pretty, to work with. She's pretty twig-like. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with almost everything you said. I do. I agreed that it dragged a little bit in the middle, but um, it's such a great concept. Both the leads are really good. Um, I think the production design and or the locations person is really good at this because the house that most of the movie takes place in is a big part of what makes the movie really like sophisticated, but all but very ominous. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. Um, I, um, yeah, I like the whole climax where she basically has to like pretend like she's starting to enjoy eating human meat <laughs> to be able to get, to, you know, take advantage of him and turn the t- how the turntables. <laughs> um, and my last note is that I'm excited for the sequel to this movie where Noah turns into a Wendigo because she <laughs> ate human meat. That would be a big jump. <laughs> ah, I'm here for it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like any cannibal movie is not complete unless the Wendigo is brought up in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> this is definitely Sebastian Stan's year to get away from Marvel movies, I yeah. think, because he did Pam and Tommy, he did Fresh, and then he had something else recently. Yeah, there is some other thing. I can't remember what it is, though. I'll try and look it up while you uh, finish your dis- discussion. Uh, I also love the new trend where they, like, have a dance montage like an ex machina and it's only for the audience's enjoyment i really like when sebastian stan is uh like chopping up meat and dancing in the kitchen and stuff yeah his little eyebrow eyebrow dance moves he's pretty great (laughs) um and i i don't know how I, i guess I don't know how I feel about the little joke where like the bartender guy is trying to like find his friend after she's trying to find her friend, but then he's like, Nope, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. 
Uh, like, although I, maybe you could take it as like, okay, they don't the need women, a man. yeah, the women yeah. solve this on their own, <laughs> and it ends up being women versus a woman in the very end. Yeah, and then I also I feel like there's a whole like underworld that they kind of hint at, but you don't really get anything satisfying from it, which I don't need it like explained a lot, but it would be interesting to see a few things about it. Yeah. Like, who are all these people buying meat? <laughs> Human meat. Is it Danny DeVito from Always Sunny? <laughs> Is it racist if I don't eat the black guy? <laughs> uh, the two movies that um, that uh, Sebastian Stan has coming up are not at all familiar to me. There's The Brutalist, which is about a 1940s architect coming to America, wow. and Sharper, which is about a con artist taking on Manhattan billionaires, <laughs> neither of which sound familiar to me. Um, they both have good casts, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I thought there was something else too, but oh well. Yeah. Um, Any other thoughts? No, this was a great, uh, finally we got a good horror movie for this year, I think. Um, yeah. So we had bad luck with Scream and Texas Chainsaw were both utter garbage. So uh, it was nice to have a just good, like this is one I probably won't remember that much about it by the end of the year, but it's a, it was a fun and well done, well crafted uh, horror movie. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I gave it three and a half. Three and a half as well. Cool. Um, next up is one that you watched without me. And that is West Side Story. I guess technically it came out last year, but it's still newish. New to streaming. <laughs> well, Oscars haven't happened yet as of yeah. our recording. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah. So West Side Story can directed by Steven Spielberg and it's about two youngsters from Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yes, you might know him. He does not do Marvel movies. Hmm. Uh, two youngsters from rival New York gangs fall in love, but tensions between their respective friends build toward tragedy. It is Romeo and Juliet, but in New York. <laughs> um, it stars Anzel Elgort. Rachel Zegler. <laughs> These sound like made up names. Rita Moreno, Ariana DeBois, David Alvarez, Corey Stahl. These definitely sound like names made up by an AI. Brian Darcy James, Josh Andres Rivera. Uh, so basically, it is the exact same movie as the original, but it looks nice. <laughs> I mean, all I saw about the cinematography and the trailers and stuff looked pretty great. Yeah, I, I'm not like, it's fine. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it because if you've seen the original, it's just going to be that. And if you don't like the original, then you're not going to like this. Yeah. And I just have like memories of watching West Side Story and music's class when there was a substitute mm-hmm. and just thinking Same. like, what is happening? Why is this so long? <laughs> yeah. Um, all the songs I think are the same. I don't think they added anything new. No, I don't think so. And I guess that's my other issue with this as a musical is that I don't, there's like one or two catchy songs and then everything else is just. I thought there were a lot, isn't there? Like, I feel so pretty and America and. Uh, Maria. And those Maria. are like the only three. Eh, that's more than a lot of musicals have. But there's like 10 songs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't like Ansel Elgort because he's super boring and maybe problematic. Hmm. Um, I think the man girl, Rachel Zegler as Maria was pretty good. And her friend, I think is staring, uh, stealing all the spotlight. Hmm. Ariana Du Bois. She's like her 
kind of sister-in-law. Um, it's very colorful. It has good sound. Yeah, I listened to a podcast about the sound. It sounded very... They put a lot of interesting effort into it, for sure. And the sets are pretty crazy. But, like, it's a Spielberg film, so technically it's going to be great. Yeah. But I just don't... I don't... I'm not into the West Side Story story. What's he doing next? Isn't it, like, another remake? I don't know. I think I heard he's done with um, musicals, though. (laughs) It's like you just started. So, uh... Senor Spielberger. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he look has up. planned. He oh, Bullet. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yet another one. Which we didn't really like Bullet, right? We watched it and we're like, I, I guess the car chase <clears throat> is good. Yeah, I barely remember it, to be honest. It wasn't. Yeah. God, oh my God, there's so many. Oh, that's his producer credits. There's so many upcoming. What is The Fablemans? That's coming out this year, apparently. I have no idea. Oh, it's a autobiographical movie about his own childhood. Hmm. Huh. Oh, wait. Yeah, I told you about that. And starring, David Lynch is in it. Starring Paul Dano. And David Lynch. And David Lynch. <laughs> and Seth Rogen. And Michelle Williams. That's weird. Because I don't feel like his life is very comedic. And Jeannie Berlin. <laughs> is that uh, Elaine May's daughter? I have no idea. I don't know. Yes, Um. Is. Anyway, West Side Story, three stars. Okie doke. Um... Next up, I almost forgot about this. I just added it to the list because I watched it without you. Um, I went to the Renegade Film Festival for about half a day and got to see a few things, a few some shorts, some stuff that I worked on. But also, I hung around and watched Wolfman's Got Nards from 2018, directed by Andre Gower. Um, this is a documentary about the uh, cult film Monster Squad. Um. Written Which by Shane we've Black. I've only seen once. Each. Yeah, I really want to watch it again because I did really enjoy it. Um, this was okay. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. Um, yeah. It's basically kind of your average fan documentary of, of a movie, even though it's made by the star of the movie who was a kid in the movie. Um, but, and like the beginning of it is all about like how the idea came about, how they pitched it, how Shane Black and, um, uh, uh, oh my God, why am I forgetting his name? The director of the original movie. Fred Decker, um, about them working together to your mom was probably like Fred Decker. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Uh, And then it kind of the second half of the documentary. There's no more like behind the scenes footage or anything. It's just them talking to people who are obsessed with the movie and like, yeah, we get it. Everybody loves Monster Squad. We get it. It's fun. It's a great movie. I get it. (laughs) Um, So it gets really boring to me after that point. Like it's very like self indulgent. Yeah. Um, So I'm more into a thing that has more like to have a documentary about a movie. The two kinds that I prefer are one that's like heavy behind the scenes footage where you get to learn about how it got made. Or if you're going to do a like post movie thing, do a deeper examination of it. Like the way that guy, um, Alexander Philippe who did like that alien documentary and the, uh, psycho one where you like analyze just the shower scene, like do something that's unique and like super in depth about like, the thematics of it. If you're not, if you don't want to go into the behind the scenes stuff, otherwise everything else is just like, I don't know. It's just, it's about as fun as watching a group of people all say they like the same movie for an hour and a half. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't think it was that great, which is a little disappointing. Um, but it did make me want to watch monster squad again. Cause it's been a while. Uh, so I gave it two and a half stars. Okay. I did not watch it. So I have no opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we watched another new movie. 
After Yang, which came out in 2021, directed by Kogunada. Mm-hmm. Uh, when his young daughter's beloved companion, an android named Yang, malfunctions, Jake searches for a way to repair him. In the process, Jake discovers the life that has been passing in front of him, reconnecting with his wife and daughter across a distance he didn't know was there. So this stars Colin Farrell, Jody Turner-Smith, Malia Emma. Do you want to take a stab at that uh, <laughs> last name? Jandra Wijaja. Okay. Something and like that. <laughs> Justin H. Min. Um, is that, wait, where's the girl? That's Jody Turner-Smith. No, that's oh, the Oh, no, wife. you're right. What's her uh, name? What is her name? Is it Serena? Oh, she has kind of a weird name, uh, right? Or like Cassidy. Or is it Hala- no, Haley? Haley Lou Richardson? It's her. It's Haley Richardson. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> um, so this is, it's weird. It's not like a hard sci-fi. It's like a mm. soft intellectual sci-fi. <laughs> I'd say it's hard sci-fi that doesn't focus on the sci-fi. It focuses on the human element. Yeah. Which is very interesting. So it takes place in the not too distant future. Um, this movie's very A24. Yeah. And it's all about Yang. And it kind of reminds me of that app where you record one second a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and But that's kind of like what this android Yang has done. And so Colin Farrell, when he's trying to like fix him, he gets to rewatch all these moments that he's missed because he's always working and doesn't really come home as often. Or They kind of left Yang to raise their kid, too. Kinda, yeah. Well, and it's also, it's not just like that he's seeing these moments he missed, but he's seeing them through somebody else's eyes as something like very special. Yeah. Whereas they were just kind of everyday moments for him that sort of just sort of passed by and he forgot about. And obviously, when it get into spoiler territory, he starts to find out that Yang, A, has a much more complex interior life than they realized and B is like a hundred times older than they thought he was. Yeah. They, they thought they bought him remodeled and that he had had like one user before that for like a day and then he broke and they, they got him fixed, but he actually has been alive for like 200 years or something. Yeah. And um, then it also dives into like this AI museum and these people really want to study him. Yeah. And, what but do they're they like, call him? They're, they had a name for it. It wasn't AI. It was like, it was like, a, not like a helper. Techno sapiens. Maybe. It was? It yeah. was something like that. Yeah, they're basically like exploring like, oh, hey, like this is an actual like species. Yeah. They're treating them like a like an animal rather than a robot because they basically sort of started evolving on their own, I guess, is the implication. Yep. And then it also has to do a lot with the relationship between the young daughter and Yang. Mm-hmm. And because he, they got Yang to help her kind of understand her uh, Chinese heritage. Mm-hmm. Because she, yeah, she was an adopted Chinese child. Yeah, so it deals a lot with that, too. Um, yeah, and then it also goes into, like, some cloning stuff later on in the movie. And Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just there's a ton of really super interesting sci-fi ideas thrown in into this very grounded, personal, like, intimate story. Well, it's a lot like Columbus, which was also yeah, same by this director, where it's, it's very quiet and very precise. Mm-hmm. And you might not necessarily like remember it a year from now, but like while you're watching it, it's really cute and loving and good. <laughs> I, I thought it was awesome. I really liked this a lot. Um, 
And it, it feels very realistic for like what the future could look like. Yeah. The production design and the futurism of it was super interesting. Um, I think the movie feels longer than it actually is because it's very slow, which yeah. could be it a problem. It did but, feel pretty slow. <laughs> um, but it didn't bother me too much. Although when it ended, I was like, wow, I, didn't, I really thought that was like two and a half hours or something, but yeah, it was like 90 only... minutes. Um, but um, yeah, I thought to me, this was a super interesting it was very much like uh, the whole like tears and lost like tears and rain thing in Blade Runner, but uh, examined over ninety minutes with in a much more like chill way yeah. <laughs> than like fighting androids. <laughs> yeah, I said it was like a very optimistic future because like yeah. mostly we get like uh, well, it's kind of like her. Mm-hmm. Where oh, yeah, it's real. Uh, that's a great comparison. Just a little further into the future, but it's like, well, maybe we don't blow each other up, and maybe it's not Mad Max in the future. It's yeah. like maybe we just have some little helper robots, and they're our best friends. <laughs> yeah, that was really smart, subtle, complicated sci-fi. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. I gave it four stars. I did too. And it's streaming on Showtime. Um, oh boy. All right, let's get into the big buckle one. Buckle up. <laughs> yeah, buckle up, boys. Uh, next up is <laughs> The Batman, uh, directed by Matt Reeves, 2022, starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, John Turturro, Peter Sarsgaard, Andy Serkis, Colin Farrell, and a whole bunch of other people. <laughs> um, Unmask the truth. Terrible tagline. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to read that. I'm sorry. In I was being second, dramatic. <laughs> in his second year of fighting crime, Batman uncovers corruption in Gotham City that connects to his own family while facing a serial killer known as the Riddler. So, first impressions, I think we both liked it. Yes, quite a bit. Second impressions, we both liked Robert Pattinson as the Batman. Mm-hmm. Third impressions? Well, we've only seen it once. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things I really liked about the movie. I'm going to start with, start with stuff we liked. Yeah, I thought it was super solid and realistic. Mm-hmm. It was probably the most realistic where you don't have like cartoonish or comic-y. It's realistic without, it doesn't feel like. But grim, it's not like Nolan. It's, yeah, well, it's not like yeah. obnoxiously grim and gritty like yeah. a lot of these DC movies have been. Like it's realistic, but, uh, but not um, just like adult, you know? <laughs> like I think. It's very gritty in that Robert Pattinson looks like he smells in this hey, movie. Whatever happened to that thing? Didn't it, wasn't there like a whole controversy going around like a year ago and they were making this movie and they said like Batman has sex or Batman, what was the whole thing? You I remember? don't know. There was a whole thing going, maybe Robert Pattinson just said something yeah. crazy. Anyways, um, <laughs> I liked that they start uh, with this Batman like in the middle of his career no necessary, no origin story necessary. It's like, thank God. I can't take another stupid origin. I'm so glad we didn't revisit Crime Alley. I'm, that is the best thing you could ever do to a Batman movie. Is <laughs> Like, dude, Batman movies have been around for literally 60 years now, almost. We do not need... Everybody knows who Batman is. You don't need to explain who, where he came from. So, I think it's longer than 60. Well, 66 was the, <laughs> the Adam West movie, but yeah. Um. I thought a lot of the gadgets were really cool because they were semi-realistic and a lot of them were didn't work right. <laughs> yeah, because with like Nolan Batman, he has like unlimited access to technology that hasn't been ex- 
like used in real life, but like he has access because he's Bruce it's like Wayne. They all write it off as like military yeah. gear that hasn't been in the civilian use yet. But for this, you get like a hot rod as the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the most unrealistic to have like that blue turbo charger. Uh, you got to some car shows. It might not yeah. seem so unrealistic. Um, instead of like being able to fly around, he just car. has an inflatable glider suit that like he can only use once pretty much <laughs> yeah without packing and it's it back all, in it barely worked he almost died using yeah it. and he's afraid of heights it seemed like it was the first time he ever used it mm-hmm. and he's like oh <laughs> oh no sounds, sounds like a jump <laughs> uh Speaking of that, what you just did, was, we always talk about this with Robert Pattinson, but he does a completely different voice in every movie he does, which is yeah. so impressive to me. Uh, you know, if you told me when we were in high school and the Twilight movies were coming out that Robert Pattinson would be like <laughs> top tier, one of the best actors working today, I would have been like, well, get the f- f- out of here. I mean, he had like the ultimate end game because he was like, I'm going to be in Harry Potter. I'm going to be in Twilight. I'm going to make all this money and then I can do whatever I want and forever. I <laughs> microwave spaghetti. And yeah, he's such like a he can take the weird indie projects. because He doesn't have to worry about making, yeah, you know, a like Batman. <laughs> no, I mean, like, no, I know. good time and lighthouse. No, he takes <laughs> he takes a lot of risks in his performances. Yeah. And he feels like a completely different person in every movie. And unlike his co-star. Uh, what's her face? Kristen. Uh, she's trying to follow their Pattinson's. She's trying. He said yeah. that she's the same person in every movie yeah. she's in. It's the exact opposite to me. Um, I liked the score quite a bit. Yeah. I thought it was really good. And it starts off a little repetitive with that main Batman theme, but it, um, it, it gets really interesting and cool as it goes. Um, I liked a lot of the cinematography. There's some really cool perspectives during the action. I wrote that in my review. Now I'm trying to remember what I was thinking of. So I had the opposite thought though. I was disappointed in how dark and blurry and how like everything is through the rain shield. And it's like, I want to see them fighting. The car chase, sure, yeah. But it's like the whole movie. But like it works sometimes. Like it works when the Riddler pops up in the dark apartment. It works in the hallway scene where it's like just the flashing and you see him fighting people. That was one of the coolest ones for sure. And it's awesome when the Batmobile like lights up for the first time. You hear it and then you see it. That scene is very exciting. But I was very like, I don't know what depth of field they use or aperture or whatever, but it's like, dude, like this is so shallow. Like, mm. like you can barely see like their face. <laughs> well, we'll have to wait till we watch it at home to really make the judge. Cause all the theaters we go to, all their bulbs are like, yeah, that could dead. also be the <laughs> issue. Cause I'm just like, all these theaters have been waiting, <laughs> waiting way too long to change their bulbs to save money. I think yeah. all, every movie we go see lately seems really dim. I'm like, I feel like I'm squinting half the time. Um, <laughs> but we got to talk about all the people. Yes. Go ahead. So, Zoe Kravitz is amazing yeah, as Catwoman. Great. I agree. And I don't think anyone will ever top Michelle Pfeiffer, but she's like a very, very close second. They're very different characters. Yeah. Like, I like Michelle Pfeiffer's because she's like insane. Yeah. She like she's insane. cleans herself like a cat. Insane and literally... <laughs> um, uh, and she has her invincible. whip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Zoe Kravitz is like a very realistic Catwoman. The only thing I wish is that they had more heist stuff for her to do because they have like the one where they meet. Yeah. And then there's kind of the one where she tries to steal money, but that's not really like a heist. She's just like going to run up and grab it and go. Yeah. So but I, I kind of like, wish there was more I do like that. that she's not just like, 
a bad guy that Batman caught and forced her to help him. She was like integral, integral to the plot of the movie and the, uh, what's actually happening with the, the criminal syndicate and stuff. Like she's more involved in it than Batman is. Yeah. Also shout out to all the cats, especially the cat cam where he's like licking the camera. Oh yeah. That's pretty good. I loved it. (laughs) And then any other Catwoman thoughts? No, I don't think so. Do you want to talk about Riddler? I do. <laughs> or Colin Farrell. There's a lot. You got Penguin, the Riddler. I thought Colin Farrell was great. I just still can't believe that was him. Like, why didn't they just hire somebody that looked more like the Penguin? Because it yeah. doesn't sound or look like him. It sure doesn't. So, great job, I guess. He was mad they wouldn't let him smoke in the movie Cigars. Yeah, that is kind of weird. He said he really fought hard for it, but they What if that would have pushed it into our territory? <laughs> I don't they, know. They, now they put that in the rank. He could chew it, not smoke it. Mm. <laughs> But that's such an iconic penguin thing. He's always smoking something. Yeah, and the umbrella. Yeah. Um, do we disagree about the Riddler? I think there are moments when he's over the top. He's better than Jim Carrey's Riddler because that think is he's just almost as over the top as Jim Carrey. <laughs> I genuinely think that. I I'm on the fence. To me, like this movie was borderline perfect, except I hated Paul Dano's performance. <laughs> I thought he was re- laughably bad in this. And I mean, it's not all his choice. I'm sure obviously a lot of that's on the director too, but like, I get that they're trying to do this like Zodiac kind of like insanity yeah. with him, but it comes across as just so cringy and stuff when he starts like laughing and like, uh, I'm trying to remember some specific <laughs> lines, but all of it to me is just, I don't know. It made me just feel uncomfortable. Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> it made me feel uncomfortable in a way that really took me out of the movie. Yeah. Uh, anytime he had like a long speech, it was just sort of ridiculous. Whereas like Heath Ledger's Joker is like funny and scary. This one is like, okay. Like I didn't believe it at all. It just felt yeah. ridiculous to me. I do like that. The Riddler is basically an incel, and has an incel army. Well, that's part of my thing, though, is, like, they characterize him as, like, this alt-right parlor, like, uh, influencer. But, like, who the hell would follow this guy? He's clearly, like, nuts and ridiculous. He's a cartoon character. <laughs> Who's going to be, like, following this guy and be like, I'm going to model my life after and go to jail for this guy? Everyone like, who follows Trump. <laughs> no, I don't, it's not not the same. Yeah, I feel like he's way too goofy to be, like, I, I didn't buy for a second that all these people would follow him. I did like that they played on Riddler thinking he was a good guy, I just like Batman. That. that was good. I agree because, and and as soon as he says it, you're like, oh my god, he really thinks that, and you can yeah. totally see why because they're bas- they're trying to do basically the same thing. Yeah. Riddler's just doing it in a insane way, but yeah. so is Batman. Um, yeah, that part was great. I think this is the first time when they've really nailed that idea of the the bad guy being really thinking he's like the hero and that, and not only that he's the hero and that, but not that Batman's the villain. He thought Batman was literally working with him. Yeah. The whole time. He's he like, had, Hey buddy, here's a, do you get my birthday card? Yeah, basically. <laughs> so that was, I, I did love that. I thought that was awesome. There was a lot of like, the more I'm thinking about it, the crazy stuff. So like there was the church scene with the bomb. That was crazy. The funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, and Batman card. gets really hurt in that. But I was just thinking there's like the whole third act where, spoiler, there's like a flood in the city and then all these kind of sniper dudes up in the rafters. And it just came to me. It reminded me so much of a parallax view 
right? Yeah, I could see that for Where sure. Where he's like up in the rafters, he's got to stop this assassination. Yeah. Which they're trying to assassinate the mayor of the mm-hmm. city. And it's all in the rafters. <laughs> yeah, that would be my only other complaint. And this one's smaller than my issue with the Riddler. But that that last kind of big climactic fight, Batman's like big person he has to like get uh, get over and defeat is just some like random stranger guy. Yeah. Some Riddler follower. Not Riddler himself. Like Riddler's already taken care of. And so the final pulp- fight is just like some <laughs> random dude. I was going to say, and he Pulp Fictions himself in that scene yeah, he where he's like, shoots himself up with himself with a <laughs> He's yeah. like, <laughs> it's great as far as an action sequence goes. It's just odd to me that the it, the big climactic fight is with a non non person who we think was character. in the funeral scene when he like locks eyes. Oh on yeah, there's him. that one guy who. But we like, don't see him long enough to know if that actually. Well, he is. says something about uh, I don't remember what it was. Now he like makes some comment. Yeah. But yeah. And they focus on him for a weirdly long yeah, time. Awkwardly long. <laughs> but uh, I am excited to go see this again at some point. I imagine it's going to stay in yeah. theaters for a while. We should probably do a um, whole episode, add this to our Batman Eventually, episode, I would like to do that, yeah. Because we could talk it's, about a lot oh, of yeah. stuff. And that's the only other thing I wanted to throw in was that the movie is really long. Everybody knows that. And there was either a sticking point or, you know, whatever. That's what a lot of people talked about. I felt like it was super long. It felt long, but not in a bad way. It felt long as if I was watching three Batman movies in a row. Like it was just a long, great Batman story. Like none of it felt, um, unnecessary. Yeah. It was just a, a good, uh, engaging epic story. Yep. So, uh, I thought this was fantastic. I'm very excited to see it again and excited to see where Reeves and company go next with it. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great director. So it's only in theaters for now. I gave it four stars. Me too. A second viewing could bump it up. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll change my mind about Paul Dano. We'll see. Uh, what's next? So next up, we watched a, another new horror movie called No Exit, yeah. which was directed by Damien Power. Um, who will survive the dead of winter? Stranded at an isolated highway rest stop in the mountains during a blizzard, a college student discovers a kidnapped child hidden in a car belonging to one of the people inside the building, which sets her off in a terrifying life-or-death struggle to discover who among them is the kidnapper. So it stars Havana, Rose Lou, Danny Ramirez, Dennis Hayes, David Rysdahl, Dale Dickey, and Mila Harris. Um, So... Let me get my my review up. What did you think? I thought this was great. I really enjoyed this a lot. Um, I like that it's just a really tight, uh, twisty, and very mean thriller. Like, uh, there's just, like, I, I don't know, every step of the way, there's, like, a compelling thing going. There's always something exciting and tense happening at any given moment, and then it keeps twisting and going to different places than where where I expected it to go. Um, I think I'm on the fence a little bit with this one. Overall, I liked it. And there's like a lot of different paths the story could take you. Um, and that's not like a bad thing, but it's like, I feel like they kind of reveal the mystery kind of too early. So you kind of, I keep saying kind of, you find out like who stole or who kidnapped the child that she finds in the van pretty early. I would have, there is a twist with that. Yeah, I would have a problem with that, except that two more times after that, there's added 
Well, it's just a little too added much. reveals to it. Maybe. Like, how many twists are you going to shove in? And then I feel like the whole last, like, kind of climactic fight scene is a little too cliche, I guess. Hmm. I don't know. I didn't feel like that, but... I, I was hoping I more, it. I think, for, like, The Thing or a twi- that Twilight Zone episode, where it was just more, like, about figuring out who's who's who. Or yeah. that it's because she's, like, she escaped rehab, like... Is she the good guy or bad guy? Right. Blah, blah, blah. Like, is she... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was expecting it to be more like the whole movie was her not knowing who the bad guys are. But I appreciated that it kept, like, it kept knocking me off my feet because I kept thinking, oh, that's what this movie's going to be like. Oh, wait, no, it's something different. Oh, wait, no, it's actually something a little different. Yeah, I just don't think that worked. It's almost like they had too many ideas mm-hmm. and they just kept changing it. I didn't bother me at all. Um but I'm also a sucker for the very niche subgenre of people stuck in a building during a blizzard <laughs> and someone is bat a bad guy. Yeah. Okay. Hateful eight, the thing. See, that's what uh, I was hoping yeah. more of that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but it's also tense when you know who the bad guy is and she can't say anything about it. Yeah. No, there were definitely tense moments. Yeah, I mean, I like just a little predictable. I liked all the uh performances too. I thought everybody was really good. I liked that uh Dennis Habert and um, who played the older woman? Um, Dale Dickey, is that her? I think. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, I like that both of them are just are kind of typically kind of supporting character. I mean, they're supporting in this too, but they get to do a lot more interesting stuff with their performances in this movie than they probably get to typically. Yeah. Um, so I, I appreciated that. Um, yeah. Oh, and that scene where they're playing cards is amazing. The way it's edited and it's it's all this great storytelling, revealing stuff happening while they're actively playing cards, uh, and the card game is like part of the dialogue. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, had great sound design. Setup is clever. I liked it a lot. Cool. I gave it three and a half. I gave it four. And I think it's on Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. Um, what is next? Another new movie. Keep it coming. <laughs> so we watched Turning Red, which came out 2022, directed by Domi Shi. Hey, lady! And this is all about growing up, because growing up is a beast. I don't like that tagline either. <laughs> so 13-year-old, is it huh. May? May? May, yeah. 13 year old May. Or the trailer. It's gonna be May. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Experiencing the awkwardness of being a teenager with a twist. When she gets too excited, she transforms into a giant red panda. Uh, so the voice actors you have Rosalie Chang, Sandra O. Oh, I did not realize until just now that Sandra O oh was the mom. Neither. Ava Morse, Hyan Park, Matri. Rama Krishnan. I don't know any of these people. I guess they're all voice actors, so I don't recognize anyone either. Um, so this is a Pixar movie, right? Yes. And what did you think? Uh, I mostly liked it. Um, I thought it was a really fun idea. I think thematically it's kind of messy because it's like, okay, is this a metaphor for puberty or for like, uh, developing your first like sexual feelings as like a teenager or that is puberty. Well, yeah, but like those <laughs> or like becoming, it's your about own person, becoming a woman, Harper, becoming your own person and not being <laughs> under your parents thumb or whatever. But then it's like, I, the fact that they keep going back and forth on this, like, 
whether she should stay a panda or not and whether that's good or bad is, and that all of her ancestors have not stayed. Like it's kind of messy in terms. It's not a very clean metaphor, I guess was kind of bugged me a little bit. Um, but I also recognize this movie is definitively not made for me. Uh, you know, as a movie about a, um, Canadian, uh, Chinese, is it, is it, it's Chinese, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're so awful. Yeah, that's awful. Uh, <laughs> a young woman uh, growing up. So it's clearly not about my personal experience. Um, and I know a lot of people who are closer to that kind of character liked it a lot more. Well, I think everything you said, though, is what it's about. And it's not complicated because, like, when you're going through puberty as a girl, you do have to figure out who do you want to be while also trying to understand that you can't just, like, act the way you want because there's all this pressure on you to be certain ways. Yeah. But if it's a metaphor for puberty, then what's the whole conflict about whether you keep it or not? <laughs> no, it's about choosing who you want to be as a woman. Yeah. I which guess. you're going through puberty to decide who you're going to be. Okay. <laughs> um, I thought it was refreshing as like for a take on how annoying middle schoolers are. <laughs> uh, yeah. And also I was this age that in the movie when it takes place, yeah, maybe minus a year 90s. or two, early 2000s. Or 2000s, yeah. I mean. um, and I can confirm how awkward everything is in this movie is completely accurate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Did you ever draw me as a mermaid in your notebook? I didn't know you in middle school. Okay. <laughs> but I Good don't answer. remember <laughs> drawing people as mermans. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, but I mean, who doesn't like uh, Mrs. Blah, 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 Michelle, blah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I know so many people focused like on the period part and it's like, oh, it's all about menstruation. It's like there's like two jokes about it in the entire movie. It's yeah. like, calm down. It's also <laughs> called turning red. Yeah, but it's they literally only mentioned pads in like five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the funniest joke of the whole movie. It is pretty good. <laughs> um, I also like how they kind of capture how hard puberty hits girls in the most inconvenient way mm -hmm. <laughs> because like, I don't like boys. I don't like boys. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. I do. And I'm going to draw mermen everywhere <laughs> with my Tamagotchi. Um, I like the Kaiju climax. Yeah. <laughs> giant Panda fight was cool. And then I think I would have rated this higher if it, if I hadn't just binged all of pen 15 because Pen15 is a lot funnier, I think, than yeah. this. But that's also for adults. So, yeah. Fair. Not for a Pixar audience. <laughs> Pen15, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. This was, it's, uh, I liked it, but it's definitely my least favorite of the recent, like, handful of Pixar movies we watched. Like, I liked Onward and uh, Soul better than this, for sure. They're probably like about the same as Onward. But I think I like Soul more and Inside Out more. Yeah, Inside Out's old news now, baby. It's like eight <gasps> or nine I years old. old? <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah. So I, I mean, I thought it was good. It just didn't necessarily connect with me like some of their others do. Like it's not ha about half of the Pixar movies make me cry my eyes out, and the other half I just sort of forget about. So yeah, uh, yeah. So I gave it. I gave it three and a half. I did as well, but it's a high three and a half. All right, <laughs> and it's on Disney. 
Um, next up is Kimi. <laughs> Kimi. Kimi. Uh, from 2022, directed by Steven Soderbergh. She's not the only one listening. Uh, boy, this is the longest synopsis on here ever. During the COVID-19 pandemic in Seattle, an ag- agrophobic tech worker discovers evidence of a violent crime while reviewing a data stream and is met with resistance and bureaucracy when she tries reporting it to her company. To get involved, she realizes she must face her greatest fear by venturing out of her apartment and into the city streets, which are filled with protesters in the wake of the city council passing a law restricting the movement of the homeless population. I don't remember that at all. Do you? No. <laughs> I don't remember that part even a little. That's not mentioned at all in this movie. <laughs> I mean, there is a protest happening. I don't remember. I guess oh, it's about that, but that's like not part of the story like at all. barely anything. I didn't connect that it was about. <laughs> yeah, anyways. No, it's a movie about her trying to do the right thing and yeah. being chased down by an, uh, assassins. Sass- faceless uh, bu- bureaucratic assassins. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it stars Zoe Kravitz, our main lady this month, apparently. Her and Colin Farrell, we watched the most. Yeah. Uh, Byron Bowers, uh, Jaime Camille, Erica Christensen, Derek Delgadio. Buzz from Home Alone. Oh, yeah. I don't know his real name. (laughs) I don't either. I have no idea. Um, Kevin? I think it's Kevin. (laughs) Yeah, his name is Devin Ratray. (laughs) Yeah, his character's name is Kevin. Um, anyways, uh, what do you think about Kimi? I didn't like it. It's um, I found the first half to be mostly interesting, but then it feels like they ran out of money and they couldn't really get beyond any ideas that, hey guys, Siri is bad, but she's called Kimmy. Um, and I also thought that the big bad guys in this movie are so monotone and boring it's just like i kept rolling my eyes because they were so bad at this job um and i found it odd that buzz from home alone's character kind of existed just to save the day when he kind of he's like coming off as a complete stalker right more or less yeah but they're rewarding him for being a stalker like well, he does almost die, but yeah. But like he only because <laughs> yes, he, he, he watches he and stalks her all the time. Yeah, it like, is weird. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting choice there for sure. Yeah, so I don't know. I I don't think they like really thought it out as well as they could have. It seemed like they just wanted to make a movie during the pandemic for cheap, and they did. I I think like a lot of Steven Soderbergh's movies, he takes these big swings and has a bunch of great ideas and it's mostly comes together, but not completely. Like I feel like most of his movies land about like that for me. Um, but I like this one uh, more than average for his stuff. I think um, uh, I thought I really liked the like claustrophobic chase scene stuff when she's running away from, from the, the bad guys and trying to escape and they're, actively like tracking her phone and she's realizing that and have to get rid of her phone and all that stuff. And I actually, I don't think the movie is anti Siri at all. In fact, Siri Siri. or whatever, but because Alexa Kimmy saves her several times, it's really, I think it's more about the humans behind that in that the technology itself is very conflicting. The technology is not bad. It's the people controlling the technology that are bad that don't let you, you know, they're all always covering their asses. Although the twist was incredibly obvious from the get go, who who was on the phone and what was happening in that phone call. Yeah. Um, and the ending is um, kind of 
weirdly oh, yeah, saccharine and very unsatisfying. <laughs> like the final scene is really bad. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the final scene in um, Last Night in Soho, actually. Yeah. Um, and that it's like, this is so like perfect dream Barbie world that it's like, is this supposed to be like <laughs> a dream die? or something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the whole midsection and climax paranoid thriller stuff I thought was really good. And Zoe Kravitz, again, was good. Yeah, Zoe um, Kravitz is fine. I just... And had a good Cliff Martinez score, like every Steven Soderbergh movie. So that always helps. He's a great composer. So it's not perfect, but I I I enjoyed it a lot more than you did, for sure. Yeah, I was getting pretty bored through most of it. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, What'd you give it? Three stars. I gave it four. It's on HBO. All right. Now we're going to do another controversial one, maybe. Um, And that is X. From 2022. Uh, how do you spell that? X. The letter X. <laughs> She's got the X factor. <laughs> uh, directed by... I, I, I hate that I always get this wrong because I really like it. Ty West. I think it's, is it Ty? Yeah. Right. What I, else would it be? T? I don't know. It's not T West. I think it's Ty West. I'm pretty sure you're right. <laughs> <laughs> directed by T. X. <laughs> no. <laughs> Big G. Uh, dying to show you a good time is the tagline. <laughs> That's a strange tagline. Yep. It's not even a full sentence. Um, In 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in a secluded farmhouse in rural Texas. Their reclusive elderly hosts take a special interest in their young guests, and as night falls in, the couple's leering interest takes a violent turn. Starring Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, Brittany Snow, Kid Cudi, Martin Henderson, Owen Campbell, and Stephen Ur. James... James Gowlin. Who's Byrony Skillington. He's the store clerk. She is the store clerk. She's the store clerk. <laughs> Bryony. I know. Don't okay, assume her pronouns or their pronouns. <laughs> Good job. I did it. Uh, uh, so we both have kind of conflicting thoughts uh, about this movie uh, a little bit. Yeah. It's not that we disagree with each other. It's that I think, well, I feel like you're more settled. I'm still a little on the fence about it, I think. Yeah. So I feel like this movie is both progressive in how it explores female sexuality and empowerment. And just just being open about sexuality in general, too. Yeah. But then it falls into that stupid new horror trend of how naked older women are gross and scary and that we should be disgusted by what we see. See, I feel I'm completely the opposite. I feel like it wasn't intended to be gross, even though I think maybe our reaction to it is the problem. <laughs> I know I wasn't grossed out, but other people in the theater were. I mean, I agree. There were other people in my theater who literally were vocally like, that's gross when like this naked old woman. But also in. they like, she's probably like 80 something in this movie. Like none of our grandparents look like that. Like they are trying so hard. Like, well, it's also a spoiler. It's being played by Mia Goth, who. So it's got to have heavy makeup or else it's just going to look like me. It's not even the heavy makeup. It's like how she has no hair and she has like one tooth or whatever. Mm. It's like, why? I didn't think she looked that gross. I think if it was going for that gross out factor, it would have been a lot worse. Um, Because to me, that's the thing I like the most about it is that uh, as a villain, I think uh, Pearl, the old lady, is super interesting because it's uh, both... Both hagsploitation, which is the subgenre of creepy old ladies, uh, a la It Chapter 2, 
or and also like a condemnation of that. Like I think to me, the whole movie is about how there's all these people who are like longing to be to have like all the benefits of this like that these people make in the movie have of this like kind of very open, free sexuality without hangups and that kind of thing. But when it comes down to it, they're also super judgmental and jealous and violent about it. So they, it's like they want all the, all the positives, but none of the, uh, none of the responsibilities of it. Yeah. Um, and the same goes with Jenna Ortega's character later in the movie. Um, and you know, it's nice to just have a female villain in general, female lead and female villain. Well, yeah, I did like that. There's finally a female villain, but one of my other issues was that I feel like Pearl and her husband, uh, husband's backstory gets overlooked a lot in this movie. And I feel like they did that on purpose just because they knew they wanted to make a prequel. So mm. I felt like it was very cheap that they're just robbing the audience of stuff that could have helped the overall story a little bit more and connect with it because they want to save it for the other movie they're making. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. I don't disagree with you on that. Yeah, I think that one scene when she's kind of explaining her past is so, like, I, I don't even remember what she said. Cause well, yeah, so, she, she's just, just like... Sort of washed away. Yeah, it's like... It's very vague. She's like, he used, he would do anything for me and stuff yeah. like that. And how she's like, you know, I don't like blondes and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like, obviously, she has a history of doing this. And then it's very confusing with the hippie that's in the basement because it looks yeah. just like the boyfriend. That I totally, died. I'm glad you said that too because I thought the same thing. That Yeah, well, two things with the whole basement thing that were disappointing is one, they build up so much that like literally the opening scene of the movie is the police going down there and seeing what's in the basement and one of the guys is like throwing up. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is the most <laughs> disgusting ever. And it's like, I mean, it's gross. He's dead. But it's not he nearly. his pants down. Yeah, it's not nearly <laughs> as like messed up or crazy yeah. as I expect was. Yeah, I was expecting for, for like but, body parts like in a mural of, I don't know. Yeah, like a Hannibal sort of something. thing or something. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, the same thing I that you said is there. there's a character, the first person to die, they're all looking for him. And then she goes down to the basement and finds his dead body that looks a lot like yeah. him. <laughs> it's really confusing because it's not him. And later on, you're like, oh, they found this other body of this guy. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of, I agree, that part was unnecessarily confusing. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy this movie's getting a lot of attention. And it's definitely the best thing he's done since House of the Devil, which is one of our favorites. I love that movie. Yeah, um, except doesn't it doesn't pack the same punch as far as authentic period piece goes because they're like I had that complaint too. The which, aesthetic just does not feel authentic, which is not a problem necessarily. Like you can make a period movie and it doesn't have to feel like it was actually made in that time period. Like it's how most period movies are made. But he did that so incredibly well on House of the Devil. Like the first time I saw House of the Devil, I legitimately thought it came out in the late eighties. Like I don't even think um, this was shot on film. At least do that. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it doesn't really look like a seventies like. I feel like that's his strongest point mm -hmm. that and like slow eerie buildup, which there is some good stuff in that. I really like the scene where Mia Goth is swimming in the lake and doesn't realize the alligators right behind her and yeah. like nothing comes of it right away, but it's a great, just like super tense buildup scene. I think he's really good at that kind of suspense too. Yeah. I was um, annoyed at one point cause I saw them use a cigarette burn. I was like, you didn't even do a scene change. Like, this is stupid. No. <laughs> like, you like, can't use a cigarette burn if you don't do a oh, scene change. Which, speaking of, I did, I did, <laughs> I thought the editing was really interesting. Um, I mostly thought it was fine. I thought it was a call out to the fact that their cameraman character kept talking about how he liked, like, French well, and stuff. Well, definitely. Because he's like, I'll do it all in editing and make it more experimental and be yeah. cooler and so artsy. So when they do these yeah. scene changes, they'll do, like, uh, 
cut to scene. It's like we're in scene A, then we cut to scene B for one second, back to scene A, back yeah. to scene B. Like they do these kind of back and forth, and it's like it slowly blah, 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 and then cuts to the next scene. Oh, it's kind of an interesting narrative device. It was unique, at least. And there is a credit scene at the end, which just turns into an actual trailer for the prequel about Pearl. And it's a little hokey and weird. And I can't tell well, if it's real. And our friend Kyle said that he read that Pearl is maybe not even going to be a horror movie, that it's supposed to be like a comedy, maybe. No, thanks. So weird. Well, that's the problem, too. Someone, uh, when I went and saw it, they were like laughing the whole time. And I was like, this doesn't feel funny. Yeah. I mean, there's funny like, parts, but it's not. There's a, funny a couple movie. lines here and there. Like every movie has a, a, at least one funny part. But like, I don't think this was. It's not like Grindhouse where it's like supposed to be funny. Yeah. And supposed to be like calling back to this type Wait, of film. I have one other question about this movie before we move on. Um, so I know our, our friend Kyle, his main. Uh, gripe with the movie was that he wanted either a like sleazy slasher gory horror movie or a smart uh, a24 thematically interesting horror movie and he feels like this movie's trying to do both and doesn't blend them yeah i kind of agree i think it actually does blend them pretty well honestly because i think all the violence is tied directly into this theme of like people who claim to be progressive but are really just you know it's like, like all these preachers that get caught uh, having gay relationships that they've been hiding for years <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Yeah, but I just feel like it does have too many competing ideas. Yeah. I didn't, that didn't necessarily bother me, but I, I understand the, uh, the complaint for sure. I mean, I still gave it three and a half. It's not like I didn't like it. Yeah. I'm just nitpicking like everything. <laughs> yeah. I gave it a four. I mean, it's also hard that like this is a director who made like a horror movie that's probably in my top 10 horror movies of all time. Like yeah. House of the Devil is a masterpiece. So it's hard to, and this is so different from that. So it's hard to compare a little bit, but yeah. Anyways, that's X 2022. <laughs> um, so next up, I watched a movie without you. You watched two movies without me. Take, yeah. take it away. We need like a little sad Make them away, toys. Here, where it's like, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I watched Hellboy, which came out in 2004, directed by uh, Guillermo del Toro. Heckboy? It is not Heckboy. <laughs> what the heckin'? So the tagline, from the dark side to our side. <laughs> what, I gotta what early this. 2000s um, like new metal song was in the credits of this movie? I can't remember. Oh, that stupid one I texted you about that's in Scream. What was it? Red, oh, right red right hand. hand. Well, that's better. Obvious. Than, better than like, what I would, I has a giant like, red right hand. I thought it would have been like POD or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> so this stars Ron Perlman, John Hurt, Selma Blair, Rupert Evans, Jeffrey Tambor, Doug Jones, Carol Roden. I don't recognize anybody else. Um, so in the final days of World War II, the Nazis attempt to use black magic to aid their dying cause. The allies raid the camp where the ceremony is taking place, but not before a demon, Hellboy, has already been conjured. During the allied forces, Hellboy eventually grows to adulthood, serving the, serving the cause of good rather than evil. So when I watched this, I was really hoping I'd be like, hey, Hellboy is still good. But... It's just so flat, like, throughout the whole film and kind of boring. Yeah, I hardly remember anything about it. It's been years. <laughs> and I think people like the second one actually more than the really? first the one, second which one is I remember rare. even less about. Yeah, I might try and rewatch it. I don't think it was streaming anywhere. Mm. Um, 
But I will say that the best thing going for it are all the special effects. They hold up amazingly well, and it definitely has like the signature Pan's Labyrinth style. Yeah. So you get these really creepy uh, bad guys. I mean, Nazis, so obviously, but like imagine like the the hand dude from Pan's. Yeah. So he's basically a Nazi in like a whole leather getup, but when he like undoes his stuff, he's like full of sand because he's so old that his blood has turned to sand. That's cool. And he like he kind of has like these mechanical all. parts, like his heart steampunk style. Yeah, it's like steampunk, but with sand <laughs> and Nazis. Sand punks. Sand punks. Um, and then you get Doug Jones being what's his name, the like fish dude. Uh. uh I keep wanting to say Abraham. It's not Abraham. It's, <laughs> what's his name? Man, Doug Jones. It's Abe Sapien. Abe, it is Abraham. Abe Sapien, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel, I really remember him being in it more and he kind of gets like a tank scene and then like one fight scene and then he kind of just disappears. That's too bad. Yeah, because I liked his character. Yeah. It's, maybe he's more in the second one. I don't remember. I, he must be. But how, how disappointing is it that they've made three Hellboy movies? Are there three? Well, there was the new one, yeah. Oh, uh, three? three Hellboy movies. Two of them by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, these movies should have been not. I mean, with such fantastic source material and a, and a pretty good cast too. Like this should have been like knocked out of the park. Yeah, and it's so just like yeah. I think everyone probably liked it more when it came out, but now I feel watching like it, it kind of just like came and went when it came out too. Well, but. the thing that I, it just it's all the comedic one-liners mm. that are like nonstop. Really, it's like Ron Perlman doing his sassy like Hellboy That's thing. So funny because I don't feel like Del Toro has really done that before or since. Like I would have said, oh, this is like early. He didn't know what he was doing, but at this point, he had already done all his great Spanish movies. He'd already done. Uh, Devil's Backbone and Kronos. And like, those movies are great. Yeah. Well, again, I think the special effects are good. The production style, it has a signature, yeah, but I yeah. think it's just Maybe the just a bad script. Script, really. Yeah. Selma Blair isn't in it as much either. She's kind of has like a one dimensional character. She's the love interest between two people. Right. So not much going on there. John Hurt, I forgot was in this. He's um, like the Professor X kind of yeah. character, right? Yeah. Uh, so he's a little interesting. And I completely forgot that it took place like it had World War II Nazis in the beginning. Yeah. I was like, I don't remember this at all. Like, <laughs> and it's in Scotland. Isn't that weird? The whole movie? That's where they find Hellboy. Oh. As yeah. a baby. Little baby. <laughs> Is it in like the devil's... Uh, no, whatever. it's at some weird castle. Huh. I was like, eh, I don't remember it being in Scotland well, either. Nazis in Scotland either, yeah. And then Jeffrey Tambor is kind of annoying too. Hmm. He's like the FBI guy who doesn't like Hellboy. No, Nobody likes Hellboy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but there are a lot of creatures too. There's like these weird uh, monster things, cryptid. Yeah. Um, so that's there's a lot of good creature and special effects. Okay. So if you like that, just watch a highlight reel on YouTube yeah. instead of watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> so I gave it three stars. Maybe right. I'll watch the second one. Maybe not. But you can watch this one on HBO. <laughs> And then Michelle was in the mood for some like mid 2000s. Uh, well, you never watched that crap with me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny in Hellboy, they talk about uh, the Spear of Destiny. And then I watched Constantine, which came out in 2005, directed by Francis Lawrence, who also focused on the Spear of Destiny. Yeah. Like, isn't that weird? That is funny. But I mean, they're similar kinds of movies. They're both movies yeah. about like religious 
uh, artifacts and, you know, so yeah, natural occult stuff. <laughs> so after my Hellboy experience, I was expecting this to be pretty boring and not hold up. Um, but I was overall surprised. I think it's a decent movie. Um, yeah, I think Constantine gets a really bad rap. I think I actually kind of like it. I think it drags a bit in a few of the plot lines. Like, I completely forgot that Shia LaBeouf was in it. I guess I should say who's in it. So Keanu Reeves plays Constantine and Rachel Weisz plays uh, two sisters, but she's mostly a detective. Shia LaBeouf plays Keanu Reeves' like, little sidekick. And then there's Digimon Hansu, Max Baker, Pruitt Taylor Vince, Gavin Rossdale, Tilda Swinton... <laughs> Uh, Jesse Ramirez and Peter Stormare. And it's directed by Francis Lawrence, who I'm looking at now. He did Red Sparrow, I Am Legend, and most of the Hunger Games movies. I like the... Well, we never finished the Hunger Game movies, but I remember liking those. Yeah, they're fine. Um, A lot of people love that I Am Legend movie. I, I thought it was okay. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I think Keanu Reeves is really good in this. I think Rachel Weisz is really good in this. I think... That the cast overall like hold the whole story together. The CGI is a little outdated, but then they also have some really good like set pieces. I guess there isn't too much like going on, but you have like this main hospital scene where like Angel, uh, what's her Gabriel. name? Yeah, come down and Lucifer comes out of mm -hmm. the ground and stuff. The hellscape CGI stuff is it's not bad. It's fine. Yeah. Um. And then there's like this weird underworld bar for oh, vampires yeah. like demons or demons. Stuff, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I gave it three and a half and it's streaming on Tubi and I would recommend a rewatch. Yeah. I, I remember liking it. Um, I mean enough that we own it on DVD. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Like it's not bad. It's not a, like a super awesome memorable movie, but it's, good it's enjoyable i remember when it came out there's a lot of controversy from people who liked the comics because it's like could have could have nothing less in common with the comics like about yeah. a, a blonde british guy instead played by keanu reeves yeah it's pretty opposite well isn't there a show now yeah there is a show it's called uh with a blonde british hellblazer or is it called constantine i don't know i don't remember hellblazer is the name of the comic book um I know Keanu Reeves recently said he'd want to do a sequel, yeah, but nobody happen. wants to back it. No, it's never going to happen. It'd be pretty tough to pull off. Also, uh, I Disney will never stream this because they'd probably like have to CGI him constantly chain smoking throughout the entire movie. <laughs> he'd have like a, a baby carrot in his mouth or yeah. something. <laughs> I mean, it's, the whole plot is that he has lung cancer and he's about to die and he's trying to yeah, like buy really, his way into heaven. Can't really uh, bypass that. Yeah, and he's easily. just like constantly smoking. By the way, though, I think uh, Peter Stormare should play the devil in everything. Yeah, he's pretty good as Lucifer. He's, a, he's just a great <laughs> villain in general. I love Peter Stormare. Yeah, I think you could totally write out Shia LaBeouf's character. He has no He's just purpose. like his like apprentice, right? He's supposed to be his apprentice. He basically drives him around, and then he gets his moment like at the Does end. He throw like a holy water hand grenade or something? I don't remember. Not really. But then there's this awful cut scene. I mean, like end of the credit scene. Well, Shia LaBeouf's character, spoiler, dies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like he kind of sacrifice himself or whatever to help save Constantine. And then at the very end, uh, Constantine's in the graveyard visiting Shia LaBeouf's 
grave and he's sitting on the grave as an angel and then flies oh away. Oh boy. <laughs> I was like, I do not need this. Oh, <laughs> Please get rid of this. Yikes are running. <laughs> That's the, the worst part of the movie. <laughs> sounds sounds pretty bad. But that, yeah. That part does. Rachel Weiss is a star. And She's there's awesome. cats in this too. So oh also Hellboy has tons of cats. Really? Isn't that weird? That is weird. Like, apparently he he loves cats so much. And there's even a scene where he has to save a box of kittens for somebody in the train station. That's really weird. <laughs> but there's uh, Rachel Weiss has a cat. Well, Rachel Weiss could do no wrong as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. She's amazing. But, yeah, I recommend watching Constantine. So go check it out. Cool. Uh, next up, we watched one. Of, so we took a little cabin trip uh, last weekend. And got away for a little while, and we just sat in. So instead of sitting in our house and watching movies, we sat in a cabin and watched movies. Nature! <laughs> um, so the first one we watched was one of Michelle's favorites, Inside Man. Yeah, I've been trying to get you to rewatch this for a while. You always act like I don't like this movie, and I like well, this movie Well, you said you lot. couldn't remember it, and I was like, it's amazing! Uh, this is Inside Man from 2006, directed by Spike Lee. This is a Spike Lee joint. Uh, it looked like the perfect bank robbery, but you can't judge a crime by its cover. Terrible tagline. Uh, when an armed masked gang enter a Manhattan bank, lock the doors and take hostages, the detective assigned to effect their release enters negotiations preoccupied with corruption charges that he is facing. That's not a very good uh, description. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> it's about the perfect heist, and it's about... Uh, the three parties involved. Taking down Nazis! The, uh, there's the guys <laughs> doing the heist. There's the detectives trying to save the hostages and catch the bad guys. And there's the like corrupt, super rich people who are afraid of what the bank robbers are going to steal. Yeah. And we can't spoil this ending. You don't want to spoil it? No. Okay. Because it's a great twist. Just think about the name. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is a great... It's a... A top tier heist movie, no question. Yeah. Um, Has Den? Did you say who's in it? No, I haven't yet. Denzel Washington, best actor ever. <laughs> Clive Owen, <laughs> Jodie Foster, Christopher Plummer, Willem Dafoe, Chiwetel Ford, Carlos Andres Gomez, Kim Director. Who else? Who else? Oh yeah, Blair Witch Two girl. And James Ransom. Do you think your black clothes and your makeup give you, you power? power? We need that on our soundboard. Yeah, we need too. everything that guy said. <laughs> Just some mild different. Um, so this was like the year of Clive Owen, right? Wasn't this when Children of Men came out? Uh, too? Might have been, yeah, around definitely around the same time. He's a really good um talking I'm, to the camera narrator. Yeah, I miss Clive <laughs> Owen. He used to be one of my favorite actors, and he's know, besides that happened? whole Bill Clinton thing recently, he's kind of disappeared. Yeah. I mean, I guess he did the Nick not too long before that, but that's been long gone too. Yeah, he used to be in movies we saw constantly. And he never shows up, so I don't know where he is. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the twist in the movie is still great, even if you know it's coming. Uh, all the back and forth between the cops and robbers where they're both trying to kind of one-up each other and get ahead of the game is is really great. Uh, it's very super satisfying. Um, I'm always... One thing that Spike Lee always does that I'm always a little on the fence about is that he does all these little aside racial things in the movie like there's the the sick guy who gets his turban stolen by the cops and is like won't help them out because they harassed him and there's like the cop who almost says the n-word and has that little uh yeah. interaction with him i don't i can't i genuinely can't decide whether i like that stuff because it's like 
okay, that this is real life. This is New York city. And he's showing all these different sides of how different people are, their experience of New York is, or if it's just like kind of ridiculous because these are so like quick toss away things that they don't actually say anything about. It's like, if you're not going to actually comment on it, just don't do it at all kind of thing. Mm. Like I, I genuinely can't decide whether I like them or, cause I remember there's the whole scene in 25th hour where they do the whole monologue, um, about like people being horrible and racist to each other. And then it, it turns into, uh, Edward Norton yelling at himself <laughs> in the mirror is I love that scene, but, and this is kind of the same thing. So I genuinely can't decide whether I like it or not. I just, I, I think always think about it. At least it kind of sets the tone, at least with the Sikh, uh, bank teller. Yeah. Because it's like post nine 11, this is really what harassment he had to go through. Yeah. Or like, uh, people, anybody who look Middle Eastern would get harassed by the police, especially. Yeah. So I think all of that works. Um, fine with it, I think. Yeah. It doesn't I mean, it didn't me. like super bother me. It's just, I always, those scenes it does always stick out a those little. Scenes stick out. Yeah. And I can't decide if they stick out and I like them or they stick out and I think they're a little, uh, extra. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, the movie as a whole is a fantastic heist movie and the cast is over the top. Great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, and you get the best scene when Denzel is like on his segue, but not really. Oh yeah. I do <laughs> like get the signature. There's a couple of those shots. Like, yeah. yeah. The opening <laughs> shot of the movie and there's some ones of, uh, Christopher Plummer too, where they do that, where like, it seems like maybe the desk and camera were both moving together yeah. on a dolly <laughs> towards or away from a wall and stuff like that. There's some great shots in the, the only, the only thing I don't like about it when they do those like flash forwards, when they're doing the interrogations of all the, um, all the people who walked out of the bank and they don't yeah. know whether they're hostages or robbers. Um, I hate the way those are filmed. Well, it's so 2006 it is. style. It's, yeah. They're doing something <laughs> to visually differentiate it, which is to make it like Glowing. super yeah. ex- high exposure <laughs> sepia. And it's like, it hurts my eyes to look at it. It looks yeah. terrible. I don't think um, it'll hold up as well. And like, yeah, 10 more that years. part of the style is really, is feel super dated, but yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, so, Jodie Foster is a complete B-I-T-C-A <laughs> in this movie, which I like, though. Oh, she's a great villain, Because she yeah. never, I mean, does she ever really play, like, a bad, like, person mm, <laughs> ever? I don't know. You'd have to think about that, yeah. Yeah, but she's a great kind of villain in the movie, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, I think eventually we'll probably do a heist episode, and this will absolutely make that list. Definitely. It's definitely one of the best heist movies ever made, I think. Um, I gave it four stars. Four and a half. It's streaming on HBO. Cool. Uh, what else did we watch in that cabin? So next me. up, we watched my bloody Valentine, the original 1981 version, Mm-mm-mm. which was directed by George Mahalka. Mahalka. Cross your heart and hope to die. <laughs> Die! Die! 20 years ago in the sleepy mining town of Valentine Bluffs, a a fatal mining disaster occurred on Valentine's Day while some of the crew was decorating for a party. The sole survivor of the accident killed the remaining crew members and warned the town not to celebrate Valentine's Day again. When a group of teenagers decides to defy that order, a murderous maniac in mining gear begins dispatching townsfolk in bloody and creative ways. Hmm. I don't know if anyone's really in it that people would know uh, a bunch of a bunch of crazy connects <laughs> this movie's about as canadian as it gets a boot yeah <laughs> um 
This is a great slasher movie. Yes. Uh, I mean, I know this one, it's not like unknown by any stretch, um, but I do think it deserves a lot more recognition than it has. I agree. Um, and I think we, after we watched it, we were just like, how did it not like get more like a, its own franchise? They completely set it up for there to be more movies and there yeah, aren't. <laughs> it is odd to me that this never developed a whole franchise the way that others are. Cause yeah, even the ending is very like total setup for a second one. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's see. What else did I write about this? I'm trying to think. It's got some crazy kills. So we watched the extended yeah. or director's cut. Unrated or, yeah, whatever. Yeah, which we highly recommend because you get some grosser things. Like, I remember when we watched it the first time, there were some was like, ew, like, that's, that's a good kill. But, but this is away, like, yeah. ooh, it's gross. Yeah, there's some gnarly kills in this, <laughs> in the unrated version. It's really, it's pretty great. Um, I also like the whole setup is, for the most part, simple. Like, it's just a town that loves Valentine's Day and horrible things have happened. Yeah, well, I love I love a slasher that, I mean, there are a lot of slashers that poorly do this idea of, like, there was a killer 20 years ago and now he's escaped. Yeah. And I love, I let me know, the setup is great. I mean, it's a great backstory that, like, um, there was a Valentine's Day dance and because all these guys were rushing to get out of the mine to go to the dance, they accidentally left these people down in the mine and there was like a cave in and they got stuck and had to resort to cannibalism. Yeah. Um, so that's a, I mean, that's a genuinely great backstory. And then the fact that they kind of twisted around about like, is it this guy who escaped from a mental asylum from 20 years ago or is it somebody else? Yeah. Um, I also like the, all the, uh, they're not kids. They're like teen, young Young people, twenties yeah, maybe. Like, are they supposed to be like? High I don't know if they're like eighteen they or twenty, but yeah, <laughs> in a mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like just a small mining town, and but like each person, I feel like I know each person pretty well. Yeah, and like what? There's a lot of good characterization. Yeah, yeah it's not just kind of and like there's the funny guy and like the um the like so many different couples it's like why would she like want to go with him he's being mean like, yeah, so like you get more of this backstory yeah. where it's not like one-dimensional annoying crap like most of the horror movies are yeah so it feels like they're real people and yeah. i care about them and i yeah, want I them to have their valentine's dance <laughs> yeah i think this is this is a great one it was really fun to watch out there in the woods too for sure yeah well, we watched it. There is like a, a mine not too far from the cabin. <gasps> Some say you can hear the screaming. <laughs> but yeah, definitely watch the unrated. Yeah. Get those gory scenes in. For sure. <laughs> Although there there is a one very funny scene where the bartender is like warning everyone, you're going to die. Oh, yeah. And then he like does a prank and he like keeps going back to check his own prank and laughing at himself. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's like he does it like three times too many times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, I gave it four stars. Me too. Uh, it's not streaming anywhere, but I guess it could be rentable. I don't know. Probably, yeah. Um, next up, uh, let's see. We watched uh, from, you guessed it, the Severn Folk Horror box set. You <laughs> thought you could escape, but not this time. <laughs> Uh, we watched A Field in England from 2013, directed by Ben Wheatley. Open up and let the devil in. 
during the the Civil War in 17th century England, a small group of deserters flee from a raging battle through an overgrown field. They are captured by an alchemist who forces the group to aid him in his search to find a hidden treasure that he believes is buried in the field. Crossing a vast mushroom circle, which provides their first meal, the group quickly descends into a chaos of arguments, fighting, and paranoia. And as it becomes clear that the treasure might be something other than gold, they slowly become victim to the terrifying energies trapped in the field. (laughs) Harley has something to say. Yeah. Uh, So I'm not entirely sure I get it. Agreed. (laughs) But that tense scene in this movie was so creepy and so effective. The tent scene. Tent scene. Tent. When he's in the tent screaming and then he comes out of the tent. Oh, yeah. Okay. Don't act like you don't know the Well, like you don't scene. see inside the tent. Exactly. You okay. don't know what's happening and then he comes out. He comes out and he's like uh, Crazy. manic. Yeah, he's like lost his mind. Um, yeah, my review of this movie starts with weird, weird, weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, to me, this is like the prototype for In the Earth that Ben Louis did last year that I think is way better than this. Yeah. Um, it's got a lot of the same sort of ideas, but without same like visual ideas. But In the Earth actually has like a story, whereas I feel like this doesn't really have much of a story. But this was shot in black and white, Harper. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's um, artsy. <laughs> but this movie is strange and pretty compelling in its weirdness. Um, and I do like when things start getting really crazy, the whole like psychedelic freak out with all the mirrored shots and the strobing edits is pretty effective. And yeah. I liked all the weird slow-mo. And he does this thing where he does these like still life shots where it's like not a uh not a freeze frame but it's just like everybody's standing still and it like shows well, where all the characters are doing painting yeah very yeah. early renaissance yeah like shows everybody in the middle of doing stuff and they're all just sort of standing still it's kind of interesting i will say it's very effective to just shoot this in a field have like three or four dudes decked out in like authentic period costumes and it really feels like you're in that time period yeah i think ben wheatley does his best when he spends his money on a good cast and nothing else so yeah, like this has this. Michael Smiley and Reese Shearsmith, I think the two main dudes. I didn't recognize anybody except for Michael Smiley, I don't think. Yeah, I don't... Well, there was that one guy, Julian Barrett. Um, he's in in Fabric. He looked familiar. He, But he was only in it for a minute. He He's the one who was... Uh, oh, at the very beginning. The like, rich dude at the beginning, yeah. Um, yeah, who's Reese Shearsmith? Do we know him from anything else? He's in Shaun of the Dead. I don't remember him. He looks very different he looks like in his pictures. In, he looks, no oh, he's not. Oh, never mind. He's in uh, in the Earth apparently, and High Rise. Anyways, um, yeah, I thought it was interesting, but not like it's kind of middle of the road Ben Wheatley stuff for me. Yeah, I'm glad we watched it, but I don't know if I'd ever rewatch it. Agreed. Um, but I did appreciate. The effort and quality of the overall look of the film. Yeah, I'm curious to it's watch. It's just confusing. Yeah, it's very, it's all, also their accents are insane. Yeah, they were, we were watching on like the cabin TV, so I almost turned on subtitles. Yeah, I, I and, considered like, it too, I don't know what sure. they're saying half the time. Uh, I do. I am curious to watch some of the like behind the scenes and interviews and stuff about this to gather a little bit more about it because I'm. It's very interesting. It's just kind of I don't know what the point was. I gave it three and a half stars. Me too. Me too. It's on Shutter, Tubi, and Hulu. So you have a lot of choices. Wow. 
Or go buy the full cord. Or you could spend uh, like $200 on a box set <laughs> instead of watching it for free on four different streaming services. <laughs> uh, next up, our last cabin movie, we watched Night of the Creeps <laughs> from 1986, directed by old Fred Decker of Monster Squad fame. The good news is your data's here. The bad news, he's dead. Thrill me. We knew that on the soundboard, too. Yeah, agreed. Uh, In 1959, an alien experiment crashes to Earth and infects a fraternity member. They freeze the body, but in modern day, two geeks pledging a fraternity accidentally thaw the corpse, which proceeds to infect the campus with parasites that transform their hosts into killer zombies. Um, Starring a whole bunch of people who I didn't recognize except for Tom Atkins. Well, let's do their character names. Chris Romero... Uh, James Carpenter Hooper. <laughs> Carpenter Hooper. That's the Cynthia Cindy Cronenberg. <laughs> uh, Tom Atkins is Ray Cameron. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detective Landis. And Brad. <laughs> uh, Sergeant Rainey. <laughs> yeah, who else we got? Uh, <laughs> are there any other names? No one else has last names. I think that's all of the, all the ridiculous <laughs> names. Yeah. Carpenter Hooper. Carpenter. Come on. Yeah, they said it James loud. Carpenter it's, Hooper. It's like hilariously. <laughs> I mean, this is an 86, so maybe they weren't quite like household names yet. It's so it's, ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I hate when people do that now. Yeah. But for 86, I can forgive it. Wes Carpenter. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, his name is uh, James Carpenter Hooper. He <laughs> <laughs> okay. doesn't even roll off the tongue Yeah, give me well. a break, buddy. Um, I like this movie a lot. Um, I like it too. This, I'm glad you finally like it. I never didn't like it. Well, I like. I watched this when you were out of the country on vacation a few years ago by myself. And I was as, as soon as you get back, I was like, we got to watch this. Like, you're going to love this movie. And you were like, it's okay. Well, it's because it's not the blob. Yeah. Like everything is compared to the blob for my 80s creep movies. (laughs) Um, But there's so much stuff I love about this movie that um, like I love that it blends all these different sci-fi horror ideas. There's like the goofy aliens in the beginning. There's like the 50s science horror with like, you know, make out point and, uh, you know, escaped mental patient. And then in the present day, there's like zombies and parasites, alien parasites. There's just a whole bunch of ideas all blended together into one really funny, fun concept. Yeah, but I think we talked about after when we watched this, that there's just missing something. Yeah, and I suspect the main the thing that it's missing is that... A good main character. The, both the leads, <laughs> the, the guy and the girl, are both kind of dull. Yeah, because his best friend <laughs> is so funny and amazing. Yeah, it's Yeah, it doesn't help that... I think the dialogue is great. I think the script is really good in this. Um, but yeah, I think that his friend is a far more funny and interesting character than the main, the main character is really boring. Yeah. He just Um, wants to get the cute girl and marry her at love at first sight for some reason. Yeah. And there's like nothing else to it. And same for her. And then his friend just keeps calling him out. He's like, like, I'm going to marry her. He's like, well, you should go talk to her. (laughs) He's like, I wonder what her name is. Like, go ask her what her name is. Like, yeah, it's kind of, that part is definitely kind of uninspired. Yeah. But then Um, we don't even get to, he doesn't even get a redeeming death scene. Who? The main guy? The friend. Oh, the friend. Well, I mean, it's It's off camera. No, but it is cool. It's recorded. Like he's playing the tape back. Um, but the whole for like spring formal or whatever sequence is, uh, fantastic. It's one of my favorite things in the movie, just where there's all these like, uh, guys and girls in tuxes and prom dresses, basically like fighting off zombies yeah. with flamethrowers and shotguns. It's like such a great sequence. 
Um, and uh, it's a little dark though. Tom Atkins tried to kill dark. himself by guessing. Yeah, there's the that. That's you can totally miss that if you're not looking. Close. You're like, is he trying to commit suicide? Like, Why is there tape on every seal in his room? His backstory is real dark and really great. Honestly, I love the whole part where he like basically confesses and then. The main guy is like, uh, besides trying to confess a crime to me for some reason, why are you telling me this? Um, uh, but yeah, Tom Gadkins is awesome. I think this might be his best role to me. And his catch line is thrill me. He yeah. says it so much. He says it's, he says it probably twice as much as he probably should for it to be like a great catch line. Like it's too much in the movie, but I love it. So I'm going to start playing in my email signature. See what people say. Yeah. <laughs> Just a picture of Tom Atkins. And it's just yeah. thrilling. Well, I've had like a magician, but magically yours. <laughs> I love that your job, sometimes you get emails from magicians. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the first time. I've had many magicians contact me. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Uh, but none of them have said that. But yeah, I want to put, thrill me every time I talk to somebody. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I like Tom Atkins in a lot of stuff, but this, is, this role, he probably gets the most meat to chew on. Halloween 3 is the only other one that's kind of yeah. close. Um. But yeah, I think this movie is great. I think it's super fun. I gave it four stars. Four and a half for me. But it's not streaming. Too bad. <laughs> uh, last is... A Take it away, Harper. Movie I saw by myself. And that is <laughs> Bell 2021, a.k.a. 2022. I'm, I'm counting for this year because it didn't come out wide release until like January or February. Um, this is a movie by Mamoru Hosada, who I constantly talk about, like Wolf Children and Summer Wars. Um, you are no longer alone, is the tagline. Uh, Suzu is a 17-year-old high school student living in a rural town with her father. Wounded by the loss of her mother at a young age, Suzu one day discovers the massive online world, You, and dives into this al alternate reality as her avatar, Belle. Before long, all of Yu's eyes are fixed on Belle when suddenly a mysterious dragon-like figure appears before her. So basically, she's like this super introverted, shy girl who had this kind of strange upbringing because her mom her mom tried, uh, saved a young boy from drowning uh, when she was like a little kid, and her mom died in the process. So like, she's always had this thing where like her mom died saving another child and leaving her alone is the mm -hmm. way she's seen it. Um, and then she joins this online... Uh, world like alternate virtual reality world called you and the idea with that is that you don't like create an avatar it creates an avatar for you based on like your biometrics and like brain scan or whatever and so she's like this very shy unassuming unpopular girl and the character it creates for her is like the most beautiful like talented singer because uh, she was a musician um and so she becomes like this huge pop star in the game, but nobody in real life knows it's her. So there's like this whole tension where all her friends are like obsessed with Belle and they don't know it's her and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then there's this whole drag figure called the beast. So this is about to ask if yeah, it's beauty and the beast. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very different take on beauty and the beast. Like it doesn't have a lot in common besides the fact that it's a musical and there's a beauty and a beast character. Um, I thought this was pretty good. Not amazing. Um, uh, I did like the music, which, I mean, it's a musical and I'm typically not into this, but I thought the music was pretty good. And the non like musical music, just the score was really good. Um, I think, uh, I think the animation is gorgeous. I think Hosoda does the prettiest animated movies out there. There's a real, it's a really good blend of 2d and 3d stuff. Um, but, 
I don't know. It's a really interesting idea because it's he's kind of trying to tackle like the moral complexity of the internet that like, yes, it's a place where half half of the world loves you and half of the world hates you and nobody's afraid to tell you that with like anonymous usernames. But it also is the cap- has the capability of making like real emotional connections and making actual positive change to real people in the real world. Um, so there's like a ton going on and he doesn't quite, like both sides of it in the real world and in the game, neither side like really necessarily gets enough time to develop fully to me. Mm. Um, and I recently just rewatched Summer Wars that has a similar virtual reality like game that plays like a huge role. And that movie, that whole virtual reality is so much more fleshed out and interesting than the one is in, in this movie. Uh, Summer Wars is definitely a better, not the same themes, but a kind of similar setting, I guess. Um, so it's not bad. Um, it's gorgeous and the music's great, but um, story feels like there's maybe too much crammed in for it to really feel totally um, satisfying in the end. So um, I gave it three and a half stars. I could still recommend it. And it's cool. It's finally the first time I've ever got to see one of his movies in theaters, which is nice because um, he's definitely one of my favorite modern directors. But um, yeah, it's fine. It wasn't great. Not, not amazing, but perfectly good. So five Ronkins. <laughs> yeah. Three and a half Ronkins. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's it for our roundup. Roundup. So now we're going to move into our mini segment where we're going to talk about some movies we are looking forward to. All right, so we've got a big old list of movies that we are anticipating. So it's March. We're, what, a quarter of the way through the year at this point? Or it's end of March. I do math before April. Okay. <laughs> We're a quarter of the way through the year, so we've seen 25% of the movies that this year has to offer. Not really, because <laughs> nothing comes out early in the year. Um So since we watched so many new movies this month, we figured we'd talk about other new ones we're excited about. So uh, let's see. What's the first one on this list that you are excited about? I don't, don't do that to me. I don't know. All right, I'll start. (laughs) I'm excited about the black phone. I would be excited, except we've seen the trailer 5,000 times and they keep pushing the release date. Yeah, I wish we had already seen this movie. I'm tired of seeing the trailer too. I think it looks interesting. It's directed by Scott Derrickson and stars Ethan Hawke. And it's the dude who did Sinister. Yep. Is that who is? Yeah, same writing team. And and it seems like it kind of takes on a clever twist using like spirits guiding a child abduction thing. Yeah. It's a cool idea. And I like the aesthetic of it too. It looks yeah. great. looks seventies in a, in a cool way. Um, you big goof. Yeah. Oh, you goof. <laughs> yeah. As I've stated before, I would absolutely let Ethan Hawke kid at me any day of the week. Definitely. He's, Who he's wouldn't awesome. get in his van? <laughs> so yeah, that's one I'm definitely pretty excited about. Uh, let's see what else is on this list. Um, I'm excited for everything everywhere all at once, which maybe we'll see in the coming week or two. So that's directed by the Daniels, Daniel Schneider and Daniel Kwan, mm-hmm. who also did Swiss Army Man and The Death of Dick Long, which we both, you definitely like Death of Dick Long. Oh, yeah. 
Swiss Army Man is hit or miss for most people. I like Swiss Army Man. It's just I don't necessarily need to see it again. But it was yeah. it was a fun, interesting theater experience, to be sure. But I'm super excited because it stars Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis. And they're just two powerful ladies that I want a whole movie based around. Um, and it looks very fun and funny and explores the metaverse. Um, but it also seems like it touches base on Michelle Yeoh's real life, <laughs> like as an actress, like there's a lot of scenes where her, she's like a Hollywood star. For sure. Um, so I think it's going to be awesome and I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Um, how about bodies, bodies, bodies? The one I told you about. The one that I also told you about <laughs> and neither of us remembers when the other person told us about Yeah. Um, this is, uh, directed by Helena Rajn. I don't know how you say that. Um, <laughs> in an isolated family mansion, a group of rich 20 somethings play a game where two of them are secretly killers while the rest try to quote escape, but things take a turn for the worse when people actually start turning up dead. Here's why I'm excited about this movie. It has Lee say Pace yeah. and Rachel Sinat from uh, Shiva baby in it. So that's all I need to know. I also assume has, Lee Pace is a killer, and I'm all for it. It also has Pete Davidson, though. He's probably barely in it. But it's an A24 horror movie that looks to be more of a comedic horror movie than uh, than their usual, like, grief-stricken, serious stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and people in it that we like, so. I haven't seen Lee Pace in anything in so long, besides, like, uh, Holt and Catch Fire. That's, like, the last thing I yeah, remember. Yeah, The Hobbit or... Um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I don't know. He's in that. He's the villain in the first Guardians movie. Yeah. When did that come out? I don't know. He's not in that. Yes, he is. I'm he, looking at his IMDb. He is the villain in that movie. He's not listed on Letterbox as being in it. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> Letterbox is wrong. <laughs> uh, what else? Pick another one. Uh, I'm going with the North Man. Yeah. So that is Robert Eggers' uh, new movie about Vikings, and the cast is insane. And Guardians of the Galaxy, Lee Pace. But it's not on Letterboxd. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that's pretty weird. <sighs> Such a dick. <laughs> what? Um, Harper has to be right. <laughs> uh, anyway, it has Alexander Skarsgård and Nicole Kidman and uh, Ethan Hawke and Anya Taylor-Joy and Bjork. And Willem Dafoe and probably a bunch of people from his other movies. And I think recently it got an R rating for like gore and nudity. So like, awesome. Well, this is one thing the Vikings are known for. It's not doing anything related to rape and or pillaging. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of blonde ladies in this. So you got to just take all the blondes back to your homeland. Viking, Viking stuff. <laughs> Some yeah. other Viking stuff. <laughs> So it's probably gonna be crazy. I assume he built all the ships in real life, and who knows what else. I'm looking forward to a Robert Eggers uh, movie that is um, that isn't just like a handful of people confined to a little space, where he actually gets room for like some big messed up action stuff to happen. Um, yeah, I'm pretty psyched about this too for sure. When is this supposed to come out? Do you, does it say? Pretty soon. I feel like it was April, but I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. Because we keep seeing trailers, so it's got to be soon. Yeah. Um, I'll throw out there men. <gasps> men. Oh. Ha. 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 We just ah. got another <laughs> recent trailer uh, for this movie, which actually shows a little bit more about what it's about. This looks more like your typical A24 horror movie that's all about somebody dealing with... Uh, men. 
post-traumatic <laughs> stress disorder or and or grief. Um, plus, the main character's name is Harper. Oh. Jesse Buckley's playing me. And, and Rory Kinnear's <laughs> playing everybody else. Well, I wish they had it like, there's going to be so many slashes. Like, he's going to be playing Jeffrey, Meffrey, Leffrey. <laughs> yeah. There's like, there's even like a weird young version. Like, yeah, a a, he kid. plays a kid with oh, his face yeah, on it. Yeah, it's like, a, uh, oh man, what was that terrible Brian De Palma movie we watched where the little kid had an adult voice? Oh yeah, he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is Alex Garland. I have pretty much loved everything he's done ever. It's going to be weird. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Ex Machina and Dread and uh, Devs and uh, Annihilation. All of it is fascinating, super interesting sci-fi. Dread? He wrote Dread, yeah. I was about to say, he did not direct. He also wrote Dread. Sunshine, I think. I don't know. Um, he was a writer for a long time before he started directing stuff. Um, but uh yeah, so uh, Alex Garland's got a lifetime pass, so I'm excited for anything he's doing. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, what's next? What you got? I'm going with Nope. Nope. Which is directed by Jordan Peele. Enough said. Yeah. we've. I think this comes out... April, May, too? I don't know. Maybe it's later. Uh, but the trailer looks cool. It looks like it's going to be about aliens. Um, so I'm all for sci-fi horror. And I think Jordan Peele could pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's got Daniel Kalua and Kiki Palmer and Stephen Yun. Um, probably a thousand other people that look familiar at some point. Yeah. We've only seen the one trailer. And it looks uh, has a funny, funny feel to it, too, with the sister-brother relationship. Yeah, it looks. I think it looks great, even though we know almost nothing about the actual plot. Yeah, um, yeah it looks awesome. Um, there's a bunch on here that I want to just mention, but to get into, but I'll. But the other big one I would say is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part One. Part One. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I, would, I hate when they do that. Yeah. Especially because this movie took like three years to make. So yeah, the next how long take. before the next yeah. part two? Um, It'll be a, a Dune situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we literally just talked about uh, Into the Spider-Verse on our last episode and how much we loved it. So, of course, I'm excited about them doing another one of these. Yeah. Um, any others we want to throw out there? There's a lot of these that are like I don't know that much about, but they just sound super interesting. Um, I'm excited... There's kind of two space movies. So Apollo 10 and a half, which mm-hmm. is Richard Linklater's animated movie. Yeah. About a kid going to space. Um, and yeah, then there's fun. also the Buzz Lightyear movie. That might movie. already be out too, right? It could I would know be. It was really soon. It doesn't say it's streaming yet, but it's going to be on Netflix. Yeah. And then the Buzz Lightyear movie. I think those will be fun. Two mm-hmm. fun animated movies. And then there's the new Thor movie. Yeah, I keep saying like, oh, I'm so dumb of Marvel, but I guess I'll see Thor. I'm pretty excited I about guess that. I'll see Guardians 3. I mean, it's got <laughs> Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher and oh. Natalie Portman as new Thor. So I'm 100% on board Mighty for those Thor. things. Yeah, I mean, she's she's an, an also Mighty Thor. Mighty Thor. Don't you dare call her Lady Thor. That's all I'm going to say about that. I just wish Chris Pratt um, would go away. Yeah. Oh, it says Jeff Goldblum's going to be in it. That's cool. I love his character. Um, Disappointment Boulevard, new Ari Astra movie that I don't think is a horror movie. Has, that's insane. Has Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Ryan. So that's cool. I don't um, know. Disappointment can oh, be pretty and horrific. And Michael Gandolfini. It's about, an, it's about 
uh, one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. I don't know if it's based on a real person or not. It'll probably be very like self-reflective and depressing. Probably. <laughs> Um, but no head smash. David Cronenberg has his first new movie in like 10 years or something. What was his last movie? Was it the one with, uh, uh, Oh, it was, um, Oh my God. Not Cosmopolis maps to the stars. I think was his last movie. That was a long time. We never saw Cosmopolis. Yeah. I would give it it a chance. Yeah. This one has, uh, Viggo Mortensen, Viggo Morgenstein (laughs) and Leah Seydoux, Kristen Stewart. Um, but yeah, uh, about a not so distant future with humankind learning to adapt to its synthetic surroundings. That sounds about as Cronenberg as it gets. Well, what about his son? Doesn't he have Brandon a Cronenberg? Too? I'm sure he does. Yeah. Um, uh, don't worry, darling. Olivia Wilde's new movie. That sounds like the Stepford wives starring Florence Pugh. Mm-hmm. That sounds cool. Um, Babylon, which is the new Damon Chazelle movie which sounds exactly like all of his movies. And the cast is crazy as they always are. Toby Maguire's in it. Woo! Toby Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody Toby Maguire. That's pretty exciting. I like Toby Maguire. Um, yeah. Any others you want to throw out real quick? Nope. Okay. You're ready to wrap this thing up. Uh, cool. So yeah, that's, that's some of the movies that we're looking forward to. Um, so hopefully we'll get to see a bunch of more new ones, um, instead of just the nine we saw this month. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess that's kind of it. Tell us what movies you're looking forward to and what movies you watched this month. Yeah! Uh, um, you can see a list of all the movies we talked about on our Letterboxd. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Spliced Podcast. Spliced Podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you on another episode soon of Spliced, Spliced Together. Spliced Together.